Good evening, everyone, it's, and welcome to Basics for Bible Believers, Part 3, uh, as we continue on in our studies tonight. Now, we'll, re we'll remind you from last time that we uh, started to cover, we looked at um, uh, the first point being born again. And uh, being born again, is uh, we covered that inside and out. And then the second point we made was independence, independence. And we wanted to mention two things last time. Uh, the independence uh, of the local church, which is also called autonomy uh, of the local church. And, of course, we discussed so you could understand the difference between the, uh, the church, the universal church, and the local church. And uh, explain those two different ones, uh, the difference of those two. And so we're going to, and the independence of, that, of the local church. And so we're going to continue on tonight uh, talking about the independence of the believer. Uh, also known in the Bible as the priesthood of the believer. Now, this both falls under the, the heading of independence. So we will look tonight at the independence of the believer. But before we get into that, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the precious blood of your, your dear Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, God, that we have liberty to still study the Word of God and be able to meet in this way. And we rejoice, God, that you've given us a Bible that we can look to in these uncertain times and a Savior to, to, to lead us and to guide us. And we pray tonight that Jesus Christ to be magnified in all things said and done and they be to His glory. I pray for those dear saints out there, uh, possibly some of them just uh, getting a foothold for Christ and growing. I pray, Lord, that you would... Um, just really work in their lives. Give them understanding and uh, make things clear to them from the Word of God. And we ask these things tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, the independence of the believer or the priesthood of the believer. And so the first thing we want to understand uh, in this point uh, is, is first and foremost is what we do not mean. Sometimes you have to uh, say what you don't mean and make clarity uh, so that you don't get confused. We don't mean uh, by saying independent that we're independent from God or independent from one another. Amen? Christians should not isolate themselves uh, and try to live independent of other believers. Uh, amen? Uh, the Bible says Christians need one another and we need to fellowship one with another. Amen? Uh, look over in your Bible uh, to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, with that thought in mind. And boy, it's a timely verse, especially right now. In Hebrews chapter 10, and verse number, Hebrews chapter 10, and verse 25. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, and verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. You say, what does that mean? Not forsaking the assembly. Uh, that means if you can make it to church, if you can go to church, that, and you uh, lay out of church, and you play hooky, and you don't go along, and you think, I'll be okay. I don't need uh, the church, and uh, I've got the Holy Spirit, I've got the Bible, and uh, I don't need a pastor, and I can make it on my own. Well, you're sadly mistaken, according to the Bible, and you'd be in contradiction to what the Lord Jesus Christ commands. 
And you say, what is that? That we not forsake the assembling, the gathering together one with another. And the Bible says of ourselves together. The second uh, part of that verse says, as the manner of some is. So you know what you're going to find, uh, especially in these last days? You're going to find Christians that are truly saved. They're truly born again. And they know the Lord, but they're living in rebellion because they won't go to church. And they won't attend and submit themselves to a local church and to fellowship with the brethren. And they think that they can make it and they're going to be okay. They're sadly mistaken. God made us together uh, as an organism to come together one with another. Amen. And the Bible tells you there as the manner of some is. So there's a manner of some people that's going to behave this way. And you're supposed, you say, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to look at them as an example of what not to do. Uh, don't behave after their manners. Amen. But exhorting, the Bible says, exhorting one another. That's encouraging one another. Amen. That's pushing one another. Exhorting one another to what? To come to church. Amen. To, to, to keep living for Christ. And if they're discouraged, they can be encouraged. You say, why is that important? Because uh, you say, what happens? You'll get discouraged if you live in this world very long. But I can say, say with absolute certainty, uh, I've never regretted going to church. Amen? Every time I've went to church and I've left, I thought, I, didn't, I drug myself in there at times and thought, man, this isn't going to be a blessing. This isn't going to be uh, what I need. And then I go in there and the next thing you know, somebody's testifying. Somebody's got the victory. Somebody's rejoicing or singing a song. You say, the next thing you know, your spirit is lifted. Amen? Your soul is stirred. And uh, you say, what is that? That's obeying God's command. And, and the Lord knows we need one another. So we're not independent of one another. The Bible says, and so much more. There ought not be a time where you're looking for a way out of church, but a way to get in. Amen? Some of you are gluttons for punishment. You're showing up on Friday night to uh, this Bible study. You do it, and I say, praise the Lord. Uh, you need to get all you can and can all you get. Amen? And so much more as ye see the day approaching. You say, what is that? That's the day of Jesus Christ coming soon. The rapture of the church. And so much more as you see the day approaching. My, my. Look around. You don't have to look far to see uh, all these things coming into place. To see that you need to be doing it so much more as we see the day approaching. It ought to encourage you to do more for the Lord and encourage you to, do, uh, to go to church more and to fellowship more. Amen? That's what we ought to be doing as God's people. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says there, uh, and so much more as you see the day approaching. So as Christians, we should not isolate ourselves or try to live independent of other believers. Christians need each other and we need to fellowship with each other. One of the purposes of the local church is to provide a setup whereby God's people can get together and encourage and edify and exhort one another. Amen? You say, so what do we mean by the priesthood of the believer, the independence? Uh, well, in the Old Testament, God's people depended on priests. Amen? Uh, to offer the sacrifices for them. He offered that and they offered and you say, what else did they do? The priests prayed for the people and they communicated to them the word of God. So in other words, priests were like middlemen. They were mediators, if you will, between God and his people. That's what the priests did. However, it is no longer that way. Amen? It's no longer that way. 
Uh, look in your Bible. Turn from the book of Hebrews to your left to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. You say, but you're a pastor, you're a priest. No, I'm not a, I'm not a priest in the sense that's known today. Uh, we all, uh, any member of the church that's saved is a priest, and we'll look at that later. Um, and the Bible says, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2, and verse number 5. So the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. I got you there, didn't I? You say, what do you, what do you mean, preacher? Some of you thought it was Mary. No, the Bible doesn't say that. Some of you thought, oh, it's the priest down at the church, or it's this person or that, or it's some saint. No, the Bible says there's one. One mediator between God and men, and it's only one. You say, who is it? The man. The man, Christ Jesus. One preacher said it like this, and I never forgot it. He said, Jesus Christ was the only one to reach up. And you say, he was, Jesus Christ was all man... And he was all God. Amen? He was the God-man. And the only reason that he can be that mediator is because he can reach down to us with the hand of man and grab our hand. He can reach up with the hand of God and grab God's hand. And he can bring the two together. You say, what is that? That is a mediator. He's the mediator. He brought us together, the Bible says. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. And listen, it's not a pastor of a church either. Amen? A pastor's not a go-between. A pastor's there as a servant, the Bible says, to serve and to minister to you the Word of God. But he's not a priest. He can't go to God on your behalf. You go on your own. Amen? The Bible says there's one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. So if you take your Bible there, and, and we were in Timothy, go back to Hebrews, back to your right, to the book of Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Some of you that's listening, it's a little older in the Lord, you probably say, I've heard all this before, preacher. Yeah, but it's good to be reminded. Amen. Sometimes I've heard, uh, I can tell you the old song is, the old story never gets old. Isn't that a blessing? That I could hear about Jesus Christ, our mediator, uh, a million times and it never gets old. How that he came down and, and bled on, died on the cross for our sins. And he was the only one that could, amen. And that he reconciled us to God and himself. I could never, I never get, story, get tired of that old story. Amen. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 14. Hebrews chapter 4. Talking about the... Um, Independence of the believer or the autonomy, the priesthood of the believer. Amen. Hebrews chapter 4. And take your Bible and look at verse uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14. The Bible says, Seeing then, seeing then we, that we have a great high priest. Now let me ask you something. Is that in the present tense or past tense? Or is that in future? No, you say, what is it? That is in present tense right now. Seeing then that we have a great high priest 
that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. See, what did he do? The Bible tells you over there in the book of Acts that Jesus Christ sat down. He's at the right hand of God. Amen. And the Bible says in verse 15, For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the finger. Um, the Bible says, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But it was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Say, so what does that show us? That shows us that Jesus Christ did the work of the high priest at Calvary. Jesus Christ, the Bible says in verse 14 there, He has passed into the heavens. Amen? And uh, he, he, is, he has went on before us as the great high priest. Hallelujah! What a Savior! Amen? And you said He did that, um, the work of the high priest at the cross of Calvary, by shedding His blood once for all. Now, we can as priests... Turn over from Hebrews to look at 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2. If you turn to your right a few books, 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, and look at verse number 5, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 5. Isn't this something? Look what we find in the Bible. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood. Amen? Um, you say, what are you? You're a holy priest. If you're saved and in the Lord, amen? And holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable unto God, acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. How about that? So now, Jesus Christ, we know that He shed His blood once for all. Now we, as priests, go boldly into the throne room of His grace. Over there in Hebrews chapter 4 that we just read. And it says, let us enter boldly into the throne of grace. In the Old Testament, the high priest... Only and only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies. Only in the, uh, only, he's the only one that could do that. And you say, how often? Only once per year. Only once per year. But now, our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, is always in the Holy of Holies. And we can go there. And you say, how? Through His blood. Amen? Through His blood. And you say, when can we do it? Anytime we choose to. Amen? Yeah, you can be in the throne room faster uh, than, than, uh, than you can blink your eye. Uh, I've heard of preachers talking about how, how that they said, Father, or they said, Lord, and boom, they're right there in the throne room. You may not be able to speak with your mouth and get the words out, and you could be in the throne room of His grace. Amen? That we can find, obtain help uh, and find grace in time of need. 
And you can be there right there with the Lord. Look at Matthew chapter number 27. Matthew chapter 27. And you say, what separated um, that holy of holies from the rest? There was a big curtain there. A big curtain, thick curtain. And uh, you say, what happened when Jesus Christ died? Look at Matthew chapter 27 and verse 51. Matthew chapter 27. Uh, we'll back up to verse 50. This is when Jesus was on the cross and he, he, he gave up the ghost, the Bible says. And uh, that was right after he said, it is finished. Amen. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 50, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Verse 51. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent, that's ripped, rent in twain from the top, starting at the top, to the bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent. Amen. You say, what took place there? Um, he broke down, the Bible says in one place, he broke down the middle wall of partition. He broke down that middle wall. And so now, you needed in that Old Testament, those Old Testament priests uh, had to go through, and the high priest had to go through once a year into that Holy of Holies. But Jesus Christ tore that temple veil from top to bottom. And now we, as God's people, can enter in as spiritual priests, we can enter in uh, to the Holy of Holies where Jesus Christ is, to the throne of grace, and we can do that any time. That's what Jesus Christ gave us. That's what Jesus Christ gave you when you got saved. He gave you access. Amen? Isn't the world all obsessed with that? They want an all-access pass. They want to be where it's restricted. They want to go uh, back behind the scenes. They want to see where it's all happening. Thanks be to God... Through the Lord Jesus Christ, now that you're saved, you can enter boldly into the throne of grace. Isn't that good? Isn't that a blessing? As God's people, we can enter in. We don't have to go to a priest. We don't have to go to a nun. We don't have to go to the Pope. Uh, we are, we are uh, able to enter boldly into the throne of grace uh, to be with Jesus Christ. Now, while we can enter... Uh, into His presence boldly, we should not go casually or flippantly, for we are entering in to the presence of the Lord who demands holiness. Amen? It's a holy thing. Uh, and He demands holiness of all that approach Him. You're in Matthew. Go back to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. In 1 Peter chapter 1, look at verse number 15. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 15. One Peter chapter 1 and verse 15. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1 15, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Amen? And so you say, but I'm not holy. Well, of course, the only way to do this is to approach Him, approach the Lord, 
through his son, the only perfect and holy one in the universe. Amen? It's true that God uses his people to teach one another, and, and we have to take that into account. And God set up the local church. That's what some people today have uh, misunderstood. Um, because we all are uh, priests unto the Lord, the Bible says, and a priesthood of believers, that doesn't mean that uh, you can throw out the setup of the local church. The Lord Jesus Christ set up the local church. He set it up in such a way that it would be edifying to the saints and uh, that we could be all in one in the unity of the Spirit of God. And so don't uh, throw that out. You say, what is set up in the local church? God gave you pastor. Amen? And it's true that God uses His people to teach one another, and He does that. But there are men that He's placed in churches, and he, they're called pastors and teachers. And the Bible says about that pastor, he needs to be apt to teach. Apt to teach. And you say, for what? To edify the saints while teaching and preaching the Word of God. However... A person, uh, you, you say, what goes on today? Well, a person, uh, however, a person who knows Greek uh, and Hebrew, and you say, what do they do? They'll call themselves a pastor, or they'll call themselves a scholar, or a priest, or theologian. And you've even seen titles, it's called, uh, somebody will say, well, I, they're a reverend. They're a reverend. Or call a master, or a doctor. And you say, what, what is all that? Well... None of those things or none of those titles has more access to God than a born-again, spirit-filled, uh, even if you're a farmer, amen, with, with a low grade of education, you can get to God the exact same way, amen? And the Bible says that the Lord will receive all those that come unto, Jesus, unto God by Him, by the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. So, that'll finish our... Uh, study there on that thought and the, and the, the two-pronged uh, part of that independence, the independence of the church, of the local church, and the independence of priesthood of the believer. And so i got a few questions for you here. See if you've been paying attention. Okay? So, the question I have for you is this, the first one. What is another word, what is another word for autonomy? What is another word for autonomy? What's another word for it? Another word for autonomy. I'll give you a second there to give it some thought. You say, what's another word for autonomy? Well, that means independent. 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 The second thing here. Who is the head of the church? Who is the head of the church? Amen. The church. I'm not talking about the local church here. We're talking about the church. Uh, who is the head of the church? And for extra credit, you can put the, the Bible reference down, which I'll give you a hint, is Colossians. Colossians 1. Amen. Who's the head of the church? That, of course, is Jesus Christ. He's the head of the church. And uh, I'll give you the reference here in Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. And... Um, Verse number 18, Colossians 1.18. That's, uh, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. is the head of the church. Um, third question for you is in this little quiz. Who is the overseer in the local church? Who is the overseer in the local church? 
who is the overseer in the local church. I'll give you a minute to there to think about that. Who is the overseer? And for extra credit there, you can give me the reference, which I'll give you a hint, is Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 and um, verse 28. And, uh, and you say, who is the overseer in the local church? That's the pastor. Amen. That's the pastor. Fourth question for you. Who is the one mediator between God and men? Who is the one mediator between God and men? And where is the, the reference? Where is the reference? That's the first one we started with, to, or the second one we looked at tonight. And that's found. Uh, who's the one mediator between God and men? You say, that's, that's easy, preacher. Good. It's Jesus Christ. Amen? The man Christ Jesus. And what is the reference there? What's the reference? 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. Very good. Some of you got that. Amen? All right. Fifth question. Does the Pope, pastor, priest, or scholar have more access to God than other believers? I'll say it again. Does the Pope, pastor, priest, or scholar have more access to God than other believers? No. Amen? No. Isn't that something? You thought, you thought that there was a hierarchy in this person with this title and this name was could get closer to God than you. Not so. Not so. I like the old song. Uh, one of the first songs I heard when I got saved, um, a group of girls was singing it in the girls' home, and they, they sang the song, He loves me like I was his only child. Amen? That's how the Lord loves you. Your relationship with Him is one-on-one. -on -one. And He loves you like you were His only child. That's the kind of love we get from the Heavenly Father. Amen? And so the sixth thing here. Do we need earthly priests in order to get a message to God? Do we need earthly priests in order to get a message to God? Do we need earthly priests in order to get a message to God? Do you have to go through a priest? You have to go and shut yourself into a box and talk into a little screen or, um, you know, have somebody crisscross you or, you know, uh, wave a wand over you or something else to get through to God? No, sir, you don't. We don't need earthly priests in order to get a message to God. Uh, the Bible says that we've got, um, we don't need earthly priests. We've got Jesus Christ, the great high priest. So, no, we don't need an earthly priest. Seventh thing here. We have access to the heavenly holy of holies through the blank of Jesus Christ. What gets you access to the heavenly holies of holy? What, what, is it get, what gets you there? Say, what is it? Well, the Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? The blood. The blood. All right. Praise the Lord. Now that finishes our point on... Um, Independence. So we've got born again, independence, and the third main uh, topic we'll get into, we'll just segue right into it here, is Bible believing. Bible believing. Turn in your Bible to Psalm chapter 12. Psalm chapter 12. 
If you open your Bible directly in the middle, you'll most likely be at Psalm, the book of Psalms. So take your Bible and open it straight in the middle. You'll be close to the book of Psalms. It's a pretty big book, largest book in your Bible. Boom, right there you are. Psalm chapter 12. Psalm chapter 12, verse 6. Psalm chapter 12, verse 6. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 12 and verse 6, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. So the Word of God says here and gives you a promise that the words of the Lord are purified, and they're purified in the earth seven times, and the Lord is the one that's going to keep them. Um, listen, if you give the Lord anything, you know what He's going to do? He's going to keep it. Uh, you think that man is, is going to be a steward of something? Man corrupts everything that he gets his hands on. And man can't be trusted. The Bible even tells you not to put confidence in man. Amen? You say, but where do we put our confidence and where do we put our trust? The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Isn't it a wild thing that, that people tell you that you need to put trust in man when it comes to the Word of God? No, the Lord will keep His words. Amen? And you say, we're Bible-believing. Uh, look at 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Back to your New Testament. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. And we'll look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 to 17. Two Timothy chapter three verse fifteen. The Bible says in two Timothy chapter three and verse fifteen, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration. Of God, You say, what does inspiration mean? That means it's God breathed. God breathed on it. Amen? The inspiration of God. You, you have uh, expiration, inspiration. That's God breathed. The inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect. Truly furnished unto all good works. Amen? And so, uh, it's at this point, when we talk about Bible believing, we must discuss the extremely, extremely important issue of the written Word of God. Amen? The written Word of God. Jesus Christ, now He's called uh, the Word of God as well in the Gospel of John. And the way you make the difference between the two, and the way the Bible makes the difference, is the Word of God, the written Word of God, is always lowercase w, and the living Word of God, Jesus Christ, is always uppercase w. You know what's funny? Uh, people that don't actually believe the Bible, they will 
uh, try to pawn off on you and try to be overzealous in proving that they believe uh, the Bible. And you say, what will they do? They will call the written word of God and they will capitalize the W in ignorance and then make it a capital W and call it, we believe the word of God, capital W. Well, the Bible says that the written word of God is a lowercase w. And it's important to make that difference. You say, why? Jesus Christ isn't the written word, and the written word isn't Jesus Christ. They're different. They're different. They have different qualities. And so you need to make that difference as a Bible believer. Amen? And so we come to this point of the written word of God. The Bible has much to say about the written word of God. For one quick example of the importance of the written word of God, let's turn in our Bibles to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. And that's to your right. If you're in Timothy, turn to your right. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. And uh, look at 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 13. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may, what? Know that ye have eternal life. And what else? And that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. You say, what was that Bible written for? The importance of it? So that you might believe. Amen? That you might believe in Jesus Christ. You don't have a Bible. The Bible says, how shall they hear, Romans chapter 10, without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? And, and you say, what are you getting at, preacher? How can you preach, according to 1 Timothy that we saw over there, unless you have something to preach that is, in fact, the Word of God? Paul, uh, the, the Bible says, Timothy, he, he said to Timothy there that we read, And from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, amen, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. You say, what convicted your heart? What convicted mine? What showed us the way of salvation? The written words of God. Amen? I can't stress the importance of the written word of God. And so us in this uh, local congregation, what set, sets us apart and makes us different from uh, just about every uh, church in the rest of Australia and the rest of Sydney, you say, what is it? It makes us different in the fact that we believe that uh, we accept and believe in this local congregation by faith that the Word of God is inerrant and infallible. You say what? You can't find fault. Amen? You can't find fault. In every written word, we believe every single word of that Bible. And as Bible believers, that's what we're to do. We believe it. Simple like this, folks. Just in simplicity. When, when you realize, is God perfect or not? God the Father, is He perfect? Yes or no? Of course He is. Is Jesus Christ the Son perfect? Yes or no? You say, yes, He is, of course. And then somehow he must have fumbled the ball or, or messed up and dropped the ball and his word isn't perfect? Mm. Psalm 12, 6 and 7 tells you the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt what? Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, from this generation forever. 
The words of the Lord. The word of the Lord is perfect. Amen? The Bible tells you back there. We'll, we'll get to that in just a minute in the book of Proverbs. Um, in, in Psalm, we'll look back there. Actually, we'll go there now. Look at Psalm 19. Psalm 19. You say, I've got a perfect God. I've got a perfect Savior. And you say, what else do we got? We've got a perfect Bible. Amen? Look at Psalm 19. Again, open your Bible straight in the middle and you should be at Psalm. Then find chapter 19. Psalm 19. Psalm 19. Psalm chapter 19. And verse 7. Psalm 19 and verse 7. Look what the Bible says. Do you believe the Bible? I believe it. I, I pray you do too. Amen. The Bible says the law of the Lord is perfect. What does it do? Converting the soul. Timothy, you've known from a child the Scripture is able to make thee wise unto salvation. These things have I written unto you, 1 John 5, 13, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. That book. Amen? That book. And look at verse 7 there. Converting the soul. Listen, that book is perfect. And you come head to head with it as an unbeliever and you see the truth and the of the words of God, and you, see, you try it out, and you say, what do you find? It's perfect. And when you come face to face with that Bible, you say, what do you come face to face with? Perfection. Amen? You come face to face with God, and you realize that's what will convert your soul. That's what converted my soul. Amen? The Bible says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right. You say, preacher, you think you're right on salvation? You're right on the Bible? You say, I, I know I'm right. You say, why? Because I got that book and it says it's right and God's right. God's word are right. Amen? So you're arrogant. You're proud. No, I stick with God. And I know my God is perfect and His Savior is perfect and His word is perfect. And if I'm on God's side and, God's, and I've got God's word on it, I know I'm right. Amen? Like the old song says... Following Him, I know I'm right. He watches o'er me day and night. Amen? I know I'm right. Some of you ain't going to like that. That's fine. But the Bible says the statutes of the Lord are right. You get on the side of right, you get on the side of the Lord, and you're right. Not like these people going around and saying, Hey, mate, how you going? I'm right. I'm right. No, you're not. You're not. Not unless you're on God's side. Who is on the Lord's side? You get on God's side and you're right. Amen. The Bible says the statutes of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. You know what the world calls you if you're uh, conservative and if you believe the Bible, you, they say you're right wing. You're right. Amen. That's no, in, that's no insult to me. Amen. I'm a right wing chicken eating Baptist. Amen. Uh, I'm right. The Bible says the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. And verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Amen? That's what we have in the written word of God. 
the, the, the words of the Lord. And look at verse 10. The sooner you learn this, Christian, the better off you'll be. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. It means you can eat the Word of God. It's sweet. Amen? Sweet. Verse 11, Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Amen, amen. Look at Psalm 119. You're at Psalm 19. Look at Psalm 119 in the same book. Turn to your right. Look at 119. Psalm 119. Psalm 119 and verse number 140. Psalm 119, 140. Boy, I could study about the written word of God all day and all night. What a beautiful thing. They said, more to be desired are they than gold. Yea, than much fine gold. Uh, you go out there in the world and, and you say, what? The treasures of this world and the gold of this world passeth away. But that right there, the Bible says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will not. Amen. They're forever settled in heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, look at Psalm 119, 140. The Bible says, the word, Thy word is very, very pure. Therefore, thy servant loveth it. You say, what is that Bible? It's pure. It's pure. You don't have anything else in this world that's pure. It's it, every, everything out there messed up, defiled in one way or the other. But you can hold in your hand something that is pure. Amen? When I got saved at 15 years old, I sat down and I started reading. I, started, I read the New American Standard. I read the New International Version. And I read the King James. And I read those documents. And I thought to myself, this is just my 15-year-old immature mind not knowing the whole issue and all the truth about everything. But I had the Holy Spirit of God living within me. And I compared those and I looked at those and I thought to myself, I looked at those perversions of the Bible, and, which I didn't know at that time, and I looked at them and I said, something just doesn't taste right. You know if you eat food and you get used to eating the good stuff and you have something that's just not there, you eat it and say, mm, something's off there, something just doesn't taste right. Something's just not right. Something's off. You know what they say about food when it turns and it spoils? They say, oh, that's off. That's gone off. You know what? I read those perversions and I said, oh, that stinks. Something's wrong. That's gone off. It reads like a newspaper. It reads like a magazine. Something's rotten. It stinks. But I got that King James Bible out. And the Bible says it rejoices the heart. And if my heart began to beat. And I fell under conviction. And I thought to myself, no other book is like that book. It's pure. Amen. It's pure. I tasted of that. I read that. And I thought, boy, now that book has power. That's God's book. And here come the enemy. My pastor at the time, and my Sunday school teacher, say, what'd they do? They tried to take that Bible out of my hands. 
and tried to tell me it wasn't pure, tried to tell me it wasn't holy, said there was mistakes in it and it was put together by men. And the Holy Spirit said, they're lying to you. They're lying to you. Are you going to stand with me or are you going to stand against me? And I endured there for a little while and I thank God I got saved there. And you know what? What I thought was crooked, that pastor got up there and he preached from a King James. And he preached the gospel, straight and true. He preached from the King James. But when he got out of the pulpit, he didn't really believe it. What a shame and disgrace. Listen, and I've heard the old preacher say the same thing. He said this. He said, if you don't believe that Bible, just get out of the ministry. What are you, and get a real job. What are you doing wasting other people's time, you charlatan? You hireling? You don't believe the Bible? Go on down the road. Amen, I've got a perfect, pure Bible. Thanks be to God that I can trust the Lord, that He said, Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. And we've got it right there in that King James 1611. Amen. God's perfectly preserved, pure words of God. Amen. Now continuing on. Continuing on. I know I got sidetracked there a little bit, but it's good to dwell on the Scriptures and dwell on the truth just for a little bit. You get something that tastes good there, you just pause there for a little while. Amen? And just take your time. Look at Proverbs. You're in the book of Psalm. Turn to your right. The next book to the book of Proverbs, chapter 30. Proverbs, chapter 30. And take a look there. Proverbs, chapter 30. A pure Bible. Amen? Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 5. The Bible says, Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 5. I'll give you a moment to get there. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 5. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in Him. Add thou not unto His words, lest He reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Listen, if you're going to reprove someone and call them a liar, you've got to have a standard. And you say, what's the standard? Truth. You know what dispels a liar? Truth. The Bible says there that somebody tried to mess with God's word. And he said, add thou not to his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. You say, what does that tell you? That tells you that there's one true, pure word of God. And it finds out those other ones that call themselves. Look what it says in verse 5 there. Every word of God is pure. So you say, what do all the new versions compare themselves with? They compare them with that King James Bible. Say, why? It's the truth. They can't, even, they can't help it. They're trying to unseat the king. They're trying to usurp the king. You say, what is that? That's the monarch of books that you got there in your King James Bible. It's the champion. Undefeated, amen? Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in Him. Add thou not to His words, lest He reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Those two men that tried to influence me, I, with my limited knowledge and my limited understanding, you say, what did God do? God said in my heart, showed me from the Bible that those men were wrong. Now those men, um, God bless them, they probably were taught wrong. And... And, and followed wrong. I'm, I've got a bit of grace to me, okay? But at the same time, I have to stand with God and you have to stand with God. And it's important that you get this. 
It's important, it's vitally important that you get this understanding and you know where to stand. And you know what, that to grab a hold of that Bible, don't let anybody... You say, if, if you've been saved for... Listen, they came after me when I'd been saved for a week, less than a week, and tried to take this Bible out of my hands. They're coming for you. And they'll, they'll come and they'll say, well, the Greek says this and the Hebrew says this. And I know Professor so-and-so over here. Uh-huh. You say, what did God do? God will prove him to be a liar. You let God be true and every man a liar. Amen. Don't throw that book out the window. You let God give, a, give you a chance to study them out and find out if they're telling you the truth. You say, what, what will God do? He said, he'll reprove them and they'll be found a liar. Amen. He'll, they'll be found a liar. Not only, and I say this, not only did God write his words um, uh, through the instrumentation of men, uh, he did that, okay? He, he wrote, he used men to do that. He also promised to preserve his word forever. Amen? He promised to preserve his word. Uh, the Bible says that, that God gives his word that we read over there uh, in, uh, in Timothy by inspiration. God breathed. God used these men. The holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So he, he not only did that, but he used the word of God. Uh, he also, in, in doing that, he promised to preserve his word. You say, how long? Forever. You read there in Psalm 12, 6 and 7, forever, O Lord. Amen? Forever. Look at Matthew chapter 24. Let's see it again. Matthew 24. We've already seen Psalm 12, 6, and 7 where the Lord mentions forever. Amen? Psalm chapter, uh, uh, sorry, Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Say, preacher, you get worked up and the tears begin to flow. Yeah, I do. Because you don't know what the Lord brought me from. You don't know how God changed me. And um, you say, what did he use to do it? He used that book. He used that book. He purified me. He purified my soul through the blood. And then he used this book to clean me up. Amen. And he'll, he'll do the same for you. And you say, I don't understand those tears. You live long enough for Jesus Christ. I've been saved for more than 25 years now. You live long enough for Jesus Christ. You'll have some tears of joy too because you know what the Lord brought you from. And you say, oh, is that put on? No, it's not. I, I, can't, I can't talk about how special this book is to me without it getting to my heart. Because this Bible is precious. It's, the Bible says, more to be desired than gold. Amen? It's more to be desired. I wouldn't trade all the gold and all the money in the world for that book. I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade it. Say it's more precious. That right there. Amen? Matthew chapter 24... And verse 35, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 35, Heaven and earth shall pass away. That is a fact, that is a promise. One day it's gone. Heaven and earth will pass away. Revelation chapter 20 tells you that. Heaven and earth fled away and there was found no place for them. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Amen. You put your trust and you put your faith in the words of the living God, you know what you'll find? It doesn't change and it's preserved forever. Forever, O Lord. Forever. Uh, look at Isaiah chapter number 40. Turn back to your left. Isaiah chapter 40. 
back to the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 40, and we'll look at verse 8. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8. Isaiah chapter 40. Yeah, I get choked up. I, I remember the story of the, of the preacher um, that, that had uh, uh, an older lady in his church, a grandmother, and uh, the grandmother there uh, had her Bible. And she, tried to get her, she tried to get her grandson to go and be faithful at church. And, of course, you know, in your younger years, you're ignorant and you don't, you don't listen to the older generation, especially your older saved relatives. And the grandma just prayed for her, ne- her, her grandson and said, Come on to church, come on to church. And uh, finally came time and uh, the Lord called her home. And the one thing that she left to her grandson is she left to him and uh, in her will, she said she wanted her grandson to have her Bible. And her grandson just took an interest in the Lord and started reading and going to church. And uh, he took her Bible and he started noticing things in the Bible there. Uh, n- uh, these initials over and over. Everywhere he looked in her Bible, it was marked down there. T and P. T and P. Marked down. And one day he'd had enough of, of guessing and saying, what is this talking about? What, what's she going on about? Uh, what's this mean? And in a respectful way, of course. And he went to the preacher. And he said to the preacher, he said, Pastor, he said, what, why is my grandma wrote all these notes down in the Bible? And why is there so many of them here? And the preacher said, well, that T and P, that stands for tried and proven. Tried and proven. Amen? You say, what does God do? God answers in the promises of His Word. You try God out. The Bible said, taste and see that the Lord is good. And that, that dear old saint of God had wrote in there every time God had answered her prayer and a promise that she'd claimed and found God to be true and faithful. Isn't that what Jesus Christ has in His vesture when He comes back? Faithful and true. Amen? Tried and proven. And you say, what have you found over 25 years, preacher? I've found that this Bible, God's Word, I've tried it and I've proved it. Tried and proven. Over. Not once. Not twice. Not ten times. Not a hundred. Not a thousand. Way over that. God's Word is true. Amen? God's Word is true. You're going through something right now? Find a promise you can claim and cling to. God will help you. God will help you. Amen. Look in your Bible there. Where were we? Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8. The grass withereth. The flower fadeth. But the word of our God shall stand forever. How about that? Forever. The reason we need to understand this issue is because the Word of God uh, is an eternal book, an eternal document, a living, eternal Word. You say, was it living? Yeah, the words of the Lord. Uh, the Bible says in uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, they're quick and powerful, quick, they're alive. That's a living Bible, amen? A living Word of God. And so we thank the Lord for this King James Bible. And we'll get into next time what it's necessary for in our walk with the Lord. It's necessary. I'll just read these off to you and we'll go over them next time. It's necessary for salvation and spiritual growth. Uh, It's necessary for preaching. It's necessary for insight. It's necessary for victory over sin. And it's necessary for bearing fruit. 
we'll look at those next time. And so uh, pray with us as, uh, as we get together next time and look forward uh, to learning about these things. All right. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you for uh, this third installment, this third uh, lesson on basics for Bible believers. All right. Let's go to the Lord now in a word of prayer. Thank you for joining us. Let's pray.